Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Sometimes I have to use my PG-13 voice for, um, for, for middle school, and now I don't have to, so. so <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Matt uncensored right now. Uh, that's a scary thought. But um, what, what, what I'm really excited about is we will be able to go deeper um, as high schoolers now in a high school group. And also, hey, if you have a question... Um, something doesn't make sense or something, um, just, well, you don't have to raise your hand, just shout out at me and say, you know, hey, explain this or explain that. Has to be kind of like appropriate to the discussion, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just, if you have a question or something, just, just say, hey, Matt, that doesn't make sense or I think that's stupid, um, that's fine. You know, I know some of you would have no problem saying that. So, um, so but we're, we're in our lot series. I think a lot of you have, been, a, lot, a lot of you have been here for the past couple weeks, um, but if not, just kind of in a nutshell, um, I feel like Emily's being targeted up there. No. <laughs> um, a, lot of, a, a, a lot of us have been here, but here's, here's, here's what was going on with Lot. Um, you, you had Lot and, and Abraham, right? And usually when we read Genesis, we read it from the, the point of view of Abraham as the protagonist. You know what I mean by that? He's the hero of the story. And Lot's just this kind of like supporting actor that's there you know, every once in a while, pops in and out. But we're looking at it through the eyes of Lot. And Lot was going one way and Abraham was going another way. You, you remember that part? Yeah, Lot was, he was on his way, kind of walking away from God. Abraham was walking toward God, right? Remember Lot was going to, towards the city of Sodom. Remember we called Sodom? He, Lot was living on what we called the suburbs of sin. Um, but it didn't take Lot long living on the suburbs of sin before he moved into <laughs> the city of sin. And back then it wasn't Vegas. Back then it, yeah, back then it was Sodom. So Lot's having, yeah, he's, he's, having, he's having a time. Abraham bails him out several times, but if I had to compare Abraham, the middle schoolers like this, you guys might not like it quite so much. If I had to compare Abraham with a Star Wars character, it would be Jar Jar Banks. Uh, do, we have Star, do we have Star Wars um, you know, fanatics in here? People, yeah. How many of y'all have watched Star Wars? Just like, you know, whether you liked it or not, you've seen it, the rest of you need to get right with God. But um, Jar Jar Banks is, is very annoying, He's a very annoying guy. But here's what we love about Jar Jar Banks. if you're a Star Wars fan. He had a knack for showing up when his friends needed him the most and rescuing his friends. He does it in a very awkward way, in a very accidental way. But yeah, he, 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 Jar Jar Banks, whether, yeah, everybody seemed to hate him. The Gungans hated him. Um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan hated him. But guess what? He saved their rear end several times. Um, and, and Abraham is kind of the Jar Jar Banks to Lot in the sense that Lot really didn't, I, I feel like Lot kind of resented Abraham and he got tired of Abraham always trying to guide him on the straight and narrow, but he really liked Abraham when he showed up to save his butt, like when he got captured um, along with all the people of Sodom like we talked about last week. So what we love about Abraham and what we love about Jar Jar is they never gave up on their friends. And tonight we're gonna read a story of, yeah, Abraham and Lot, Lot is just way off in the deep end and Abraham, Abraham does the greatest thing that he could do for his friend or his nephew Lot. And that's kind of like the punchline is the greatest thing that I can do for my friend is to speak to God on their behalf. So the greatest thing I can do for my friend is to speak to God on his or her behalf. So we've asked you this several times in the evening. Who's that friend? Like, like who's that friend? Everybody's got, the friend, got a friend who just makes the crap, well, hey, not PG-13, makes the crappiest decisions on the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, any, who here has a friend like that? They just, they make all the wrong decisions. Like who, who here, their friend that makes all the wrong decisions is here tonight. 
Yeah, you're good. <laughs> There's like a, a row of three of them back there that really scare me. Um, so, so, but here's the thing. You know, we laugh about it, but then, you know, some of us, we, we look and we see our friends going down some very destructive paths, some, some paths away from God, and we feel helpless. What can we do? We can speak to God on their behalf. And what we're going to learn from this story is it's literally the greatest thing that you can do for your friends. So if you have your Bible, open to Genesis 18. Um, last week, we were in Genesis 14, and we skip ahead four chapters to Genesis 18. And this is a long chapter, and we kind of have to understand what's going on in the whole chapter. So in order to get us all out on time so we can do homework and sleep and eat and all those you know, necessary things of life, um, we're going to kind of read and skip over some verses, and I'm going to give you the MMNIV, Matt McLean non-inspired version for, for some of them. So it, we're just, we'll start in verse one, but just know that we're, it's going to drive some of you crazy trying to follow along. Just heads up, okay? So um, in chapter 18, verse one, it says, the Lord appeared to him, that's Abraham, the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat in the door of his tent by the heat of the day. Okay, so Abraham's just, yeah, he's sitting there trying to get some shade, sun's hot, sitting in the like doorway of his tent, and all of a sudden, it says the Lord came up to him. So that's, you know, <laughs> that happened, right? You know, what happened to that? Well, the Lord came up to me while I was sitting on my front porch. So uh, what's really cool, you know, Bible nerds, not pointing out anybody in particular, will note that this is what's called a Christophany. Anybody know what that is? It's an it's a Old Testament appearance of Jesus, which is really crazy. Sometimes we don't realize Jesus has been in the Bible from beginning to end. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Jesus walks up to Abraham. And he walks up with two other guys. And what we learn later is they are angels. So Jesus and two angels walk up to you as you're sitting on your front porch. And that's just verse one. Verse two, it says, he, Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them. You think? And he bowed down himself to the earth and said, oh Lord, if I found favor in your sight, don't pass by your servant. So he's saying, oh my goodness, this is the Lord with his angels. He comes, he runs, he, he, he bows down to them and he says, please don't go. You know, like if Jesus showed up at your house, you'd want him to stay a while too. So what he does, you see in the next couple of verses, he said, would you guys like lunch? You know, he must've been a West Virginian, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all wanna, you set a spell and eat. You know, would y'all like lunch? So, so of course, Jesus, you know, he's just like, any, he's not gonna turn down a free lunch, right? Nobody turns down a free lunch. So, so, so the, Jesus and his friends and his angels, I should say, they stay and they, they, they sit down under a big tree with shade and Abraham, Abraham's running around like crazy. You know how your mom is when you have company over? You know, she turns into this like, like I don't want to say terrible person, but you know, you know how your mom is when company's coming over. You have to pretend like you don't live in the house that you live in, right? It has to look perfect. Um, so Abraham, he's running around like a crazy man trying to prepare this feast for Jesus and angels. So he's, he's killing cows and carving up steak. And he has a, he, he's like, hey, Sarah, make some of that good bread you make. And, 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 and let's get some milk and some cheese. And he puts together, the, that's all in the verses actually, by the way, not exactly the way I said them, but he, he puts together this huge feast and he serves it to Jesus and his angels and he eats with them. So this, yeah, sitting down eating lunch with Jesus and two angels, great day so far. And then Jesus says um, in verse nine, he says, hey, yeah, Abraham, where's Sarah? Is she in the tent? And he's like, I'm gonna tell you something about, this is definitely a abridged version. I'm gonna tell you something about Sarah. I'm gonna come back in a year. And when I come back in a year, you're gonna be bouncing a little baby on your knee. 
And that baby's gonna be your baby, and Sarah's gonna have that baby. And I can imagine Abraham, is, is he, he's eating that steak that he prepared. He goes, <laughs> you know how it's like, like you're surprised, and you like, yeah, yeah, very, very ungracefully like spit your food out. <laughs> Abraham has that food spit out moment. And he's like, what? And Abraham has a hard time believing that his wife could get pregnant because she's 90 years old. And he's like, you know, Jesus, have you seen my wife? You know, she's kind of old. And, and Sarah's in the tent, and Jesus can hear Sarah going, <laughs> like laughing at the thought of her being able to have a baby. She actually says it like this. This is interesting. She says, after I'm worn out and my Lord, meaning my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Abraham needed to take some classes, but um, uh, never mind. Is that on the live stream? Anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, they're having a hard time. <laughs> they're having a <laughs> They're having a hard time believing that they can have a baby at 90 plus years old. We'll just leave it at that, okay? Uh, and, 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 and Jesus says this to both of them. He says in verse 14, is anything, anything too hard for the Lord? He's saying this about himself. He's like, hey, I'm God. Is there anything too hard for me? I literally made your bodies. Yeah, and, 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 uh, you know, and what we know later is that Jesus' word was totally true. You know, I, you know, they had a son named Isaac. He was wearing a shirt that said straight out of Sarah. You know, he, uh, he, 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 they, they, it, it happened. But it was hard for them to believe. And then we go down to verse 16. It says, the men um, set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom. So even though Abraham was geographically separated from where Lot lived in Sodom, they could look, yeah, the city. You ever been out, like, out on the desert and you see a mountain and you drive like 100 miles and the mountain looks the same size? And y'all ever been out west? And see, it, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> but, um, so so yeah, they're out in the desert and you, they can see you know, this little speck of Sodom and, these, and the angels set out towards Sodom and Jesus Jesus in verse 24, verse 20, he, he lets Abraham in on, uh, on not a secret, but on something that's going to happen. Verse 20, the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I'll go down to see whether they've done all together according to the outcry that's come to me. And if not, I'll know. In short, Jesus says, my angels are going down to check out this city of Sodom because we've heard of all these terrible things. Obviously, Jesus knows what's going on, but he's sending these angels down to give a report to him of, of, of the specifics. And, and he's, if the city is as bad as everybody says it is, the city is gonna be subject to the judgment of God and the destruction of God. Uh, because what we learn about what was going on in that, in that city, and we'll talk about it, was, was very terrible. So when, when Abraham learns that the Sodom is probably gonna be destroyed, his first thought, obviously, what would your first thought be if you, there was, you know, there's a, a hurricane or something terrible coming to a city and you have a loved one in that city, you're automatically gonna think of, how can I save my loved one? And Abraham had a friend, he had a nephew in that city who even though he had strayed far from God, he was so burdened for his, his nephew. Abraham does something that's very historic. What we'll learn is he you look in verse 22, as the men turned out from there, the meaning of the angels towards Sodom, but, and there's a big but in the Bible we won't get to talk about in our upcoming series, but, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. So Abraham stands in front of Jesus. And then it says in verse 23, Abraham drew near to Jesus and he asks him a question. He says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? If there are good people in Sodom, are they gonna be destroyed because of what the bad people do? Then he, he gets pretty intense, Abraham does, when he's praying or talking to Jesus. He says, suppose there are 50 righteous people in the city. 
you know, I know it's a wicked city. There's a lot bad going on, but there's gotta be like 50 nice grandmas in that city. You know, you know like, like 50 nice grandmas. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who were in it? Here, this is a bold statement for Abraham to make. Far be it for you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the wicked fare, or the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be, he says it twice, far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Like he's appealing to God's justice here. And Jesus, God, answers him. And he says, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous, 50 good people in the city, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. So that's good, right? But Abraham, I think he knows. I think he knows just how bad things are in Sodom. I think he knows just how wicked and just how abusive the people are down there. And he thinks, man, there, there may not be 50 nice grandmas down there. I heard even the grandmas are mean down there. Like, yeah, so, so Abraham answers and he says, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. He's bold and humble at the same time. It's pretty cool. Verse 28, suppose five of the righteous are lacking. <laughs> They're not as good as we thought they were. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of 45? And Jesus answers, and he says, for the sake of 45, I will not destroy it. And then Abraham goes into used car salesman mode. Okay, yeah, so yeah, he, he just keeps lowering it and lowering it. He says, will you spare the city for the sake of 40? And Jesus says, I'll spare it for the sake of 40. 30, I'll spare it for the sake of 30. 20, I'll spare it for the sake of 20. Then he gets down to verse 22, or verse 32. He says, oh, let the Lord not be angry. He knows he's pushing. He feels like he may be pushing his luck, right? He says, let the Lord not be angry, and I'll speak again, but just this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And Jesus answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went on his way, and he finished speaking to Abraham. So what we see here is Abraham went to the mat for his friend, his nephew, Lot. He prayed to God. He prayed to Jesus to spare his nephew. And Jesus did it. He spared his nephew. Um, what you'll see if you download the app and look at the notes is yeah, what Abraham did is what we call intercession. That means standing between, standing in the gap for somebody or, or standing up for somebody on their behalf to God. And we see that Jesus did that in John 17 for us as his disciples. We see that Jesus continues to do that in Romans 8, 34, that he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. So when we do this for our friends, when we go to God on behalf of our friends, we are never more like Jesus than when we're like interceding for others. Um, and here's what prayer is, and this is what's so great about prayer. And you may think, you know, yeah, I wish there was more I could do for this friend of mine that's going down the wrong path. Well, here are two, like, I think that I, you notice in here, two really important truths about prayer um, that should make us desire to want to pray more. And the first thing is that prayer goes where I can't go. Uh, I got this picture here. This is not a political statement, okay? I, you know, I'm not getting into that. You know, people are debating hot dogs right now. It's getting so ridiculous. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> you, you ever heard about that? Count yourself blessed. Anyway, um, prayer goes where I can go. I think this is such a sad sight is a family that's separated because of a political border. Um, and there were some borders, there were some barriers that separated Abraham from Lot to where he couldn't get down there and be with Lot to help him like, physically. And here were some of the barriers. There were spiritual barriers. Um, it was not the right thing to do for Abraham to go down to Sodom. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person who doesn't stand in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners, but delights in the law of the Lord. And Abraham saw what had happened to Lot, and he was not going to allow that to happen to Lot. 
Um, so th- there were some spiritual barriers. The wickedness of Sodom was great. We're gonna get into it next week. Um, but there were incredible sexual sins that were going on there in Sodom that we'll talk about next week. Some of you are interested now. Um, rape was prevalent. People who visited the city were constantly abused. In verse 13 of chapter 13, it said that they were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. In Isaiah 3, 9, it looks back at Sodom. We learn they were unashamed of their sin. They would just do it in the open. They refused to repent of their sin or turn to God. And they're described in 2 Peter 2, 7 as lawless people. So Abraham couldn't go down there for spiritual reasons. Just, just like you want to reach your friends, but there are some places that you should not go um, because you may end up being the one reached by the sin, right? So there was a spiritual barrier. There was a security barrier. What we learn, we're going to learn next week is the angels that went down to Sodom, um, the men down in Sodom were trying to assault the angels. It was that unsafe to be there. So Abraham, for his safety and the safety of his people, could not go down to Sodom. There were legal barriers. Abraham and Lot had legally separated. Uh, so when you think about that, think in your life, legal barriers, you think you know, maybe you don't get to, because of legal things, you don't get to see your mom or your dad or this person on a daily basis or a recurring basis to be able to help them. Uh, there were geographic barriers, right? Abraham lived a far away away from Sodom, so he couldn't just visit anytime he wanted. And then there were rela- relational barriers. Um, Lot pretty much told Abraham, up yours. You know, um, he, he, he said, hey, I, yeah, I, I don't want you to be involved in my life. I want to live the way I want to live. And some of you had somebody tell that to you or, or kind of communicate that maybe in a nicer way to you. Like, hey, it's great that you believe that, but I want to live the way I want to live. And you know, that's it. Right. And, and, and so there were relational barriers. Um, you know, there's no record of Abraham and Lot ever speaking again after Abraham lib- liberated Lot from his captivity that we talked about last week. So they were, they were not necessarily on speaking terms. Sometimes we need to set boundaries. Sometimes we need to set appropriate boundaries just like um, Abraham did, but there's nothing more helpless than when you have a friend move away and you can't be with him. Or you, see, you know your friend is suffering with something, but because of whatever the barrier is, you can't get to them. Here's what's so incredible, that prayer gets to them. When I wake up in the morning and I pray for people, I can, there, there are people I pray for that have totally just, they don't want to have anything to do with me, they don't have anything to do with uh, spirituality right now, even though they were part of our youth group or they're part of our lives, but, and I can't get to them but I can get to God to get to them. Um, there are missionaries that I know and I love that I have relationships with that are around the world and I can't get to them as much as I want to, but I can get to them every morning in prayer. Prayer goes where I can't go. So just because you don't have a relationship or a contact with this person that you're burdened for doesn't mean that you can't affect their life. You can do it long distance through prayer. The next thing is prayer does what I can't do. There are two really important questions um, that are asked here. One is asked by Jesus himself. Yeah, some of this is you. you know, this is some of you guys. You know? <laughs> so that's why you always use a spotter, right? Uh, so there are obviously some things this guy can't do, right? But there are um, two questions in the text that are, um, that, that are asked. One is asked by God, one's asked by Abraham, that this is what gets at our prayer problems. I think this is why we don't pray. And I think if we truly believed the answers to these questions, our prayer life would be like on steroids. So here's the two questions we need to consider in our lives. Jesus asked the first question of himself in verse 14. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? The problems in Sodom were big. They were bad. I mean, yeah, 
the, the sin was just on this other level that I don't know if we could even comprehend, but we'll try to next week. Uh, yeah, Lot was surrounded, and, and, and yeah, if, if you look at some verses, it's almost like he was almost like indebted to the city of Sodom. So even if he wanted to get out, he couldn't get out. God's judgment was weighing heavily on Sodom. These are big problems. But instead of looking at the problems, Abraham looked to the only one who could solve the problems in his friend's life, right? He looked to God. He looked to Jesus. The real question isn't, is anything too hard for God? <laughs> the real question is, what can't God do? Nothing. Uh, you know, there's, there's this idea that if I just prayed with a little more faith, you know, there, there's this bad doctrine that goes around sometimes in Christianity. That you, the reason you're not getting answers to your prayers is because you're not praying with enough faith. The Bible never says that we need to pray with more faith. What we, the Bible says is that in Hebrews 11, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the substance to which your faith is attached. Abraham, what you see here is he struggled. He doubted back and forth. He, his faith was not like this super strong faith, but his faith was attached to Jesus. And that's the strongest thing you can attach your faith to. So the first question is, is God big enough? And if you truly believe God's big enough, that's gonna show up in your prayer life. Um, and then the next question was asked by Abraham. He said, will you indeed, in verse 22, will you indeed, or 23, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? It's, the question is, does God care? Or is God good? It's the question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a question we all ask. But think about who Abraham is asking that question to. He's asking that question to the only truly good, innocent person to ever live, Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate or the only bad things happen to good people because all the bad things that we did were put on the innocent one who hung on the cross, Jesus. So if there was ever anyone who understood the sweeping away the righteous with the wicked, it was Jesus who, because he was God, in his foreknowledge, in his knowledge of the future, he knew how heavy our sin would weigh on him when he was dying on the cross and the nails would go in his hands as he was talking to Abraham thousands of years before. So Jesus got this question, right? Jesus got this question. And Jesus answers. And what we see is that Jesus he said he won't destroy the city if there are righteous in the city. But what we're gonna learn tomorrow, or not tomorrow, and you guys can come back tomorrow, I mean next week. Uh, what we're gonna learn next week is the, the number of people who were righteous by their own merit in that city were zero. And the only way Lot was made righteous was by his faith in God. And he and his daughters were the only ones spared for that city. They have the whole city, they only found three. And they were covered by God's grace. Um, so God does care. God does love his children. If, if the friend you're praying for is a child of God, if they put their faith in Christ and maybe they're not living for God, guess what? That's God's child and God is gonna care for his child and he's gonna be fair to his child. I think Drew's gonna take care of my fog problem. Um, so thank you, thank you, Drew. It's whatever, you know. Um, so all, all that to say, God does care. God is big enough to solve any problem in your friend's life and God cares deeply and intimately about your friend. The greatest thing I can do, don't worry about it, Drew. The greatest thing I can do for my friend is to speak to God on their behalf. 
So how do you speak to God? We're not gonna have time to hit these one by one because I have four minutes left before the middle school comes up um, so we can pray together. Um, but w- what I wanna do is go over, they're all, a, they're all A words. I really try, F words are hard to do, okay? I'm just telling you. I try every week for F words. That's the first thing. I whip out the thesaurus, but it just didn't work. So they're A words. And I've got six A words and I call them, you know, it's Abraham who prayed here. Abe's hacks for intercessory prayer. Abe's prayer hacks. Um, and, and here are the prayer hacks. The first one is get alone with God. You see in verse 22, it says, Abraham stood still before the Lord. Abraham, we're up here, guys. Abraham stood still before the Lord when the other men left. So you, whatever it takes, you know, turn the phone off, you, know, you pause Netflix, you know, get to the only place in the house where it can be quiet. You know, sometimes it's the bathroom, it's whatever. God hears prayers from the bathroom too. Um, yeah, uh, never mind, I'm not gonna go there. But, um, yeah, so Abraham got alone with God. When's the last time you've been alone with God? The next thing that Abraham did and that we should do, align our heart with God's. What's the first thing Abraham did when God showed up, when Jesus showed up? He got down on his knees. Right? He, he humbled himself before God and he acknowledged that God was God, he was not. And then he served God and then he asked God for things. Usually when we approach God, we're like, hey Jesus, I need this, I need this, I need this. If you give me a car, that'd be great. If you give me a boyfriend, that'd be really good. I know that's a tall order, but you know, whatever, whatever you can do for me. But Abraham started by worshiping Jesus, worshiping God for who he was and aligning his heart with God's. Next thing, we approach God humbly. Look at what Abraham did. The first thing, we saw that he served God, right? But then look at verse 27. He says, behold, I've undertaken to speak for the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Like he realizes, hey, God is not obligated to answer any of my requests. Like I don't have God on a string. Like just because I say something in Jesus' name does not mean it's gonna happen. It drives me crazy when people ask for stupid stuff in Jesus' name. Don't get me started on that, right? God is God, we are not. So we approach God humbly. Next thing is though, is we ask God boldly. Abraham was humble, but look at the way he prayed. He was so bold. Verse 27 is so cool. I underline this almost to where the page ripped, I'm afraid. But in verse 27, Abraham says this. This is a historic moment. He says, behold, I've undertaken to speak for the Lord. This is the first time that I can tell in the Bible where a human has initiated the conversation with God. Up until this point, it's always been God Adam, where are you? You know, or Abraham. This, this is a human approaching God. And God, yeah, big deal, right? Big deal. A, a, an imperfect, yeah, unholy human approaching a holy God and asking for things. He says, I have undertaken to speak for the Lord. And then we all know he keeps pushing and he keeps pushing, right? He says, God, will you do it for 50? Will you do it for 45? Will you do it for 40? Will you do it for 30? Will you do it for 20? Will you do it for 10? Um, it was a long time ago, but I always wrote, this is stuck in my head. Keith Matheny was preaching in church and this did not involve a hot dog. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, he said this quote that is a really good quote. He said, we expect million dollar answers from 10 cent prayers. And how often do we approach God and we just ask for the bare minimum? Hey, it stopped. We ask God for the bare minimum. Look at what Abraham does. He keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going to the mat for his friend and going to the mat for his friend and going to the mat for his friend. What we see is when God gave him an answer in verse 33, the Lord went on his way and Abraham returned to his place. He accepted God's answer. He was at peace. The final thing is always pray. Never give up on your friends. Uh, What's cool is in verse 32, (laughs) 
Abraham says this three times because it's such a big deal. In verse 27, he says, Behold, I will speak. I have undertaken to speak for the Lord. Verse 31, Behold, I have undertaken to speak for the Lord. Verse 32, halfway through the verse, he says, I will speak again. He keeps going back to God, and he keeps going back to God, and he keeps going back to God. Have you given up on somebody? <laughs> You've been praying, but not much has been happening in their life. Good, anyway. Um, Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, <laughs> trying to remember that one. In Luke 18, 1, he said this. He said, always pray and never give up. You know, there are people, you know, it's kind of like, youth groups kind of like the mafia. Like, when you, you graduate, but you never get out. And, and you know, um, you know there, there are people that have graduated um, and, you know, they're you know, living a life that's kind of far from God. But guess who hasn't given up on them? Guess who hasn't stopped praying for them? This guy right here. And I know April continues to pray for him. I know a lot of leaders continue to pray for him. And I never give up on a teenager. I never give up even when they go off to college. And I, you dar- I mean, dang it, I will pray them back in to God's will. Because I, yeah, I'm never gonna give up. And some of us, we just need to dig in our heels and say, hey, my friend is not living the way they should. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't be as close to them, them as I used to be, but I am not gonna give up on my friends. Always pray and never give up on your friends. The greatest thing you can do for your friends more than anything else is to speak to God on their behalf. So, hey, we're gonna get out on time. This is incredible. Um, I'm gonna pray um, for us and then middle school is gonna come in. We're gonna pray together. We're gonna get out of here. Um, So let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Uh, Thank you that you allow us to approach you. We just really, we don't deserve it ever at all. Um, But but you have made a way through Jesus through his blood, his, his blood shed on the cross, that we can approach you with confidence and boldness and ask you to do great things in our life and in the lives of our friends for your glory. So God, I pray that whoever it is in my life and in the life of everybody here that came tonight, whoever it is that we are so close to giving up on God, uh, that we'll never give up on our friends, that we'll lift their names up to you um, every day and every night of the week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.